Hey everyone, I'm Josh Loftus, and this is the Everyday Monday podcast, the podcast where we talk about everyday people doing everyday things in everyday churches. Whether you're a pastor, a plumber, or those people that walk around in public talking to people on their speakerphone, this podcast is for you. This is where we find value in the trenches of Christian life. Welcome to Everyday a Monday. And in the trenches with me today, I have a very special guest. I'm really excited. He is the pastor of Community Presbyterian Church in Omak, Washington. He's a former stockbroker, and he's actually the one that gave me my first ministry position. The Wolf of Wall Street himself, Pastor Bill Hemming. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, how how you doing, man? Yeah, you grossly overstating my former finance background. Yeah, the way I like to describe my finance background is uh, I I was a keyboard monkey that worked for the guy who made the money. I <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When I went to seminary, my other choice was it's time to move up in the world and actually start making money. But there yeah, you go. okay. Yeah, well, yeah, you, you didn't choose. Yeah, so you chose to be a pastor. You definitely chose the opposite route of that, man. <laughs> you know, if money was important. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we definitely exactly. had a different path ahead of us. <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, you know, before we get going, in one sentence, Bill, one sentence, what does it take mm -hmm. to be a stockbroker? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it takes definitely a killer instinct. Um, and with that killer instinct comes uh, some stuff that oftentimes can be pretty morally questionable. But to be a successful stockbroker, especially one that interfaces with the public, you have to actually care about people's financial futures, not just your own. All right. Well, hey, uh, again, before we kind of before we get going, give us just a short bio, Bill, of who you are, uh, married, kids, maybe a little known fun fact um, and what you do for a living. Sure. Um, I uh, married, I've been married for 16 years, um, met my wife, uh, my senior year of college. Uh, we have three daughters, 11 and eight and five um, or soon to be 11. She's not quite there yet. Um, and, uh, fun, little known fun fact. I met my wife because my best friend at the time, um, I'm not going to say stock, uh, but like whatever the step right before that is, that doesn't have legal implications. I tried to date her. Yeah. Just being creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Creeping. Yeah. There you go. And, uh, yeah. And so Tamara basically was like, well, you know, I don't want anything to do with this guy, but hey, who's that friend of yours? So because <laughs> uh, he's not taking pictures of me from across the, the park. Yeah, let's, let's go well, with him. I mean, he was like, he'd be like, hey, you go into the you go into this event and then he'd show up there and be like, oh, I thought we were going together. And she's like, I, we, I never said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he called things. I don't even know you. Showed up in the same place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's, that's a little. Uh, that's I'm a little uh, my official titles. I'm a teaching elder in the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I serve uh, Community Presbyterian Church in Omak. I've been the pastor here uh, for almost eight years. Perfect. And uh, yeah, like I said in the intro, um, Bill, we have a special relationship. At least on my end. I don't know about you, but uh, at least on my end, you you gave me my first position in ministry. Uh, you threw me a bone and uh, I became the youth director there at uh, Community Presbyterian Church in OMAC um, and kind of yeah. cut my teeth in ministry under your supervision. Loved every second of it. Um, yeah. And uh, 
you've been in ministry a while. What what would you categorize as the best part of your job? And then on the flip side, the hardest part. Yeah, I would say uh, the best part of my job uh, is uh, teaching people the word of God. Um, it is definitely what I'm, I think, most gifted at. Uh, and it's the best thing that I get to do. It's what I enjoy. It's what gets me up in the morning. It's what gets me going whether that's in one-on-one discipleship or that is in, you know, small group settings or large group settings. Um, and especially when those people are either um, not believers, right? And I come in contact with them and somehow mm-hmm. enter into that uh, faithful relationship with, with folks like that or uh, new believers um, or even some of my folks, you know, I, I have a lady at church that said, you know, I've been a member of this church for six years. And I think for the first time, I finally get what the gospel is, you know, mm. that, that kind of stuff really keeps you going. Uh, so that's the best part of my job is what's the worst part. Um, in my specific context, uh, it's dealing with uh, people uh, who are typically uh, struggling with various addictions coming in. Uh, and trying to use guilt and shame uh, to make the church do what they want. Um, mm. That's the worst thing that I have to do. I, I know from from serving you there that that happens every single week, almost every single day. You have people coming in and every day. Yeah, it's, yep. it's we're uh, you know, Omax not a huge place for those who aren't familiar with the area. It's a town of about five thousand people, uh, but it's um, economically depressed area. Um, yeah, and we're down. We're downtown. We're the big church that everybody can see when you're downtown yep. near uh, various services. So, yep, yep, that's right, that's right. But the work is worthwhile. The work is worthwhile. You know, it is. And I've been involved. You know, we've moved. We had had a rotating homeless shelter that kind of the church is sponsored, and now there's a kind of a fixed location in Okanagan. I was involved in helping that get off the ground. And that's mm. been great to see. Um, and you know, we've been able to help some people get off the streets and stay off the streets through that. Um, but it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, it's yep. the other the other aspect I got to here. It's two part. The other part that I don't you know that's hard is when Christians behave badly, and you have to exercise church discipline that rarely goes well um yeah because of the consumers culture yep. we live in yeah 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 no it's it's never a never a fun experience um and it usually no. never ends in the way that you know with the goal being reconciliation it usually never ends with that which is which is That's right. frustrating yeah um so bill tell us a little bit about how you came to christ kind of the story of the events that maybe led up to and uh and and culminated christ christ finally finally opening your eyes to his grace and his mercy tell us a little bit about how you came to christ yeah i grew up um in the roman catholic church um mm-hmm. and so i mean and when i say we are catholic uh, there's a comedian jim gaffigan who has a joke about you know he grew up catholic but his wife grew up like shiite catholic yeah like, way catholic we were of that variety okay uh, so we were in catholic school we were in oh, mass yeah. six days a week um all of my friends were from the church we did catholics we didn't do like sports we did catholic youth sports you okay. know, um, I don't think people <laughs> even know what CYO is, this Catholic that, Youth Organization. Yeah, no. Yeah, it, it was this whole, it's this whole subculture stuff that, you know, most Protestants don't even know exists. Yeah. Uh, and that's who we were uh, until uh, about third grade when my folks uh, split up and uh, mm. uh, and lots of lots of reasons behind that. 
but we went from that picture, right? Where, you know, honestly, I thought my career path at that point in time was I was choosing between whether or not I was going to be a priest or a monk. We went from that to basically nothing, you know, attending church occasionally, you know, when some, when one of my, you know, either my mom or my dad kind of started feeling guilty. Sure. Um, and so that's sort of my story um, through high school. You know, I basically considered myself an atheist or even agnostic at times. I floated back and forth. My junior year of college, um, I was attending Western Washington University, and I had taken a job in the Drug Information Center, um, which sounds bizarre. Uh, because usually when you think Drug Information Center, you think, okay, well, this is information about, you know, the dangers of drug recreational drugs, sure, yeah, drugs and whatnot. Not a Western, no, no. It was <laughs> uh, in, I, I never used anything. I I've never done anything. I mean, the worst I I had a couple of drinks. Worst I, you've I, had is some is some like overexposed communion wine, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I said this isn't for me. This isn't for me. So, but anyways, I took this job because uh, they correctly answered, "Will you sign the paycheck?" Right? Yeah, um, that's right. And, yeah, uh, there's that finance <laughs> thing working. And uh, my job was weird. My job was to go, so in order for uh, student Alcoholics Anonymous meetings to happen, they had to have a club or organization sponsor it. And somebody connected to that club or organization had to be present during the meeting. Okay. So my job was basically to go brew coffee, which you know, Josh, I don't drink coffee, never have. Yeah, no. Nope. And so I feel like one of my great sins in the world is probably that coffee I made for other people. <laughs> uh, you weren't, you weren't winning many people to Christ without. No, 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 no. Yeah. 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 So my job was to go and set up these meetings, brew a pot of coffee and then go sit like basically in the alcove outside where the meeting was taking place and read a book. And so um, I'm sitting there one night at one of these new meetings and one guy comes in and uh, with a lady uh, and then um, uh, there uh, a younger man who is obviously uh, severely uh, mentally dis- disabled mm-hmm. um, and they come in and they sit down for the meeting and there's nobody there. The guy who's even, you know, every meeting has kind of like a host and stuff and he didn't show up and I'm just sitting outside and going, this is not good. This guy shouldn't be in there all by himself. You know, he came mm-hmm. for a meeting and there's no meeting. Uh, so I decide this is, this is depravity for you. Yeah. I decide I'm going to pretend I'm an alcoholic for the night to make this guy feel better. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I get in the, I remember the guy's first name. I don't remember all the details, but um, his name was Bill. We got, got talking and I think uh, he never came right out with it. Um, and I don't, you know, this has to be a Holy Spirit thing because he pretty well figures out that, you know, A, I'm a liar uh, yeah. and B, I don't have a relationship with Christ. And he had um, come to faith in Christ while he was in prison. A lot of guys do. And here's this hardened criminal by all stretch of imagination uh, who is sharing the gospel with me. I, I can describe it now theologically at the time. I couldn't tell you what was going on. Yeah, uh, And I just knew beyond the shadow of a doubt uh, that there was a God, that he had sent his son, Jesus Christ, that all of those stories I vaguely known, you know, from my Catholic school days were true. Yeah, they're just true. 
and that Jesus Christ uh, was my was my savior. And so I prayed and I said, Lord, Jesus, I can't live my life without you. And that changed everything. Wow. Uh, that's it. That's how I came to Christ. Man, look at that. That's awesome. Yep. That's incredible. Yeah. There's aspects of that story that I haven't even heard before. Um, that's, that's awesome, man. Uh, so fast forward, you're a pastor. What's one aspect of your church there that you're serving at that, that you really, really appreciate? What has always impressed me and the congregation, you know, changes over time, but the congregation largely wants to know the word of God. Hmm. Um, and so they've been able to embrace a pastor who approaches ministry in kind of an atypical way, um, mm. because that's my drive is to teach the word of God and their drive is to learn it. Mm. Um, and so that's something that's, that I've appreciated. So, yeah. And that's, that's very encouraging because there are a lot of churches <laughs> out there that don't have the word of God as the primary reason for who they are or why they're doing what they're doing. Right. And yeah. it's, it's very encouraging to hear, uh, not just that there are pastors out there that realize that, but there are congregations out there that realize that, that realize their faults and realize their struggles. And they realize that the word of God is the thing that is going to come to their rescue with that. Right. Yeah. If it's not, if your ministry is not centered on the word as a, as a pastor, Mm. Um, and it doesn't matter what aspect of ministry you're engaging in, uh, yeah. you are doing it wrong. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Couldn't agree more. Um, so how does how would you say your church, uh, especially kind of maybe you and the other elders there, the leadership, how do you go about encouraging and facilitating uh, service in the local church? So one of the things uh, we've done in the last uh, couple of years uh, is we did an overhaul of the entire administrative structure of the church. Hmm. Um, so we uh, brought the number of elders down to be a little more appropriate for the size church. With that came on uh, other questions like, are, are we doing this right? You know, we're Presbyterians, hmm. right? Presbyterians have not met a problem that they can't create a committee to study it. Right. <laughs> um, you you and the Southern Baptists, that's where you guys, that's right. where you guys we'll, we'll unite. Throw, we'll throw committee. a work group or a committee at everything. Let's, let's committee the heck out of this thing, man. That's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and by the time you're done, nobody remembers what the, what the original problem was, right? That's <laughs> um, so true. It is. Yeah, it, it really is true. So, when we moved into the evangelical That's why I'm Reformed church, Baptist, Bill. We, we, don't, yeah. we don't care about committees. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we have two committees, one that oversees sort of the business side of the church. We call that the administration committee. Mm -hmm. uh, and then one that oversees the actual important aspects of the church, you know, which is the ministry committee. The mentality of the ministry committee is to be permission giving, not permission seeking. Instead of saying, okay, justify to us, you know, any and all expenses you may have. Mm. Instead, say, how do we, you know, saying that Ephesians 4 way, how do we equip the saints for the work of ministry? Yeah, great. And our job then is to equip you, to give you the resources, the equipment you need to accomplish the ministry. And so that's that's been our approach. And again, it's been since you've been on staff, it's different. It really does take the pressure off your ministry leaders. They can really just be focusing on the ministry itself. How are we making this gospel-centered? Yeah. Fantastic. So hey, when you think about um, 
work and service, both inside the church and outside the church? How does our Christianity, our faith in Christ, filter in and through? How does it infect and affect how we view and go about service, both in the church and in the community that we live in? Well, you have to have a good theology of work. We need to understand that work is a gift of God that comes prior to the fall, right? The, the, the Genesis mandate, you know, uh, of Genesis 1, to be good stewards uh, of God's creation, right? To exercise dominion, mm-hmm. uh, if, if you prefer the older language, that, that comes prior to the fall. God uh, gives to Adam the garden to tend, to keep. Um, mm-hmm. prior to the fall. So work is, if you, you have to start with the mentality that this is a good gift from God, right? Yeah. I'm going to work again, whether it's your occupation or it's your hobby or whatever, or service, you know, in the community service in the church, I'm going to serve as if I am working for the Lord. Yeah. Right? Cause that's the idea, right? And that idea even right. comes through in various places in the new Testament mm-hmm. that, you know, you in essence, your boss may be this earthly, you know, person, this human being, but mm-hmm. ultimately you're working for God. And so whatever right. you do, do it, do it for God's glory. And and culturally, Josh, that's the problem right now. Mm. We don't think, and uh, in, in the ruins of Western civilization at this point, we don't think work is good. Yeah. Yeah. We think it's drudgery. We think it's a necessary nuisance. Uh, we think that we should be able to go out and do whatever we want. We have lost the thread of God's word that work is good and that ultimately we serve God by working. I think you're right. I think whether you're out here in the Seattle area or you're there, you know, in eastern Washington, I think you see that. And I think you see this propensity, this propensity toward laziness. Right. And I'm guilty of this more than more than anybody is just kind of this, you know, I don't. And and especially in the church, this just kind of lack of desire to get plugged in, to wow. get involved. Um, and how do you, especially as a pastor there in eastern Washington, because I know, I mean, I, I grew up there my whole life. I know what it's like, and it's not easy. Um, but it's not easy over here either. I'm just seeing this just kind of as a trend, honestly, in churches. How do you go about bucking against that grain that service is hard getting into, you know, getting plugged into church isn't, isn't worthwhile. You know, you know, you have people coming up to you and saying, I don't see how church is serving in church is worth it. Uh, I just don't feel appreciated. I don't feel as if that's something that has any true value or worth. How do you go about kind of reshaping and reorienting people's minds with the word toward seeing service and church as something that's actually good and worthwhile doing? It's, it's, this is going to sound crazy, but Good. it has everything to do, do with membership. Right? Okay. All right. Suss that from, out. From, yeah. I've had pushback from some of my older folks that membership isn't really all that important. And I, I've pushed back on that. I've said, you know what? Membership does matter. Yeah. Membership says, you know, yes, ultimately, don't mistake me because everybody's going to, you know, I, I get jumped on on this. It's like, well, ultimately, it's Jesus Church. Yes, of course, Jesus yeah. is the head of the church. Let's, just, let's just all caveat real fast that we realize Jesus there is in charge. Are. Okay. We caveat that and move on. Are we all adults enough to do that? <laughs> there you go. When you become a member of a church, it's my church. Yeah. Right. <laughs> As in the one I belong to. This yes. is where I belong. And if I 
don't serve, if I'm not part of this, then the church suffers for it. Yeah. Right. The church suffers because God gave me gifts and talents and abilities to share with this mm -hmm. congregation here yeah. now with this community. Right. I would agree with you, Bill. I think one, I, I also believe membership is is essential. Uh, I think it's it's yeah. it's very, very important. Uh, I think you're going to have a lot of problems if your church doesn't uh, see membership as something worthwhile doing. Um, but yeah. like you said, I think what it does is if you are a member of a church and that member process and what it means to be a member is actually structured correctly, right, it goes against the consumer mindset of church. Yeah. Right. Uh, which is is a reoccurring theme that I'm finding coming up in people that I talk to in this podcast, which I really wasn't expecting. But it's one of the greatest things that comes against this service of cult of of this this culture of service and wanting to get plugged into the church is the consumer mindset. It's people coming yeah. into church with the question, how can this benefit me? Right. Right. How can this how can this you know, I even had one guest go far as to say he's like, you know, how one of the worst critiques or questions you can ask when you get into church is, oh, how am I going to get fed here? And right. it's like, oh, holy smokes. Yeah, like, I've, and, had people, and, I've had people leave and say, you know, I just wasn't being fed. It's like, well, did you bring your fork? I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you bring your fork? I love it. But yeah, it's this, it's this consumer mindset that is so damaging because it's so anti-Christian. It's so anti-gospel. It's so anti what Christ came to do, right? Christ did not come. I'm so thankful Christ didn't come with a consumer mindset. He gave everything he had, right? And I agree with you. Membership pulls us, if it's done correctly, pulls us out of that mentality and is the, one of the greatest motivators to getting plugged in and serving in church. It may be my local experience. I have found that the consumer mindset is strongest uh, amongst sort of my baby boomers and above. And, and to some extent, I mean, it, it makes sense because everything else, especially, you know, I'm, I, I live, I've always lived in America. Everything else in America does work that way. Yeah. I think possibly the older generation, you know, and I'm speaking as a young guy, so what do I know? But I think the older generation might be the loudest when it comes to that, yeah. because I think people, my generation, you know, we still struggle with a consumer mindset. It just looks different the baby boomer generation and above, they were really part of that generation. They're just kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't complain the American dream, pursue it with everything you have. Um, mm -hmm. And with the millennials, that's not so, that's not so important, right? It doesn't, doesn't yeah. look like that. And I think you're seeing that. I think what you're going to see is millennials are probably more, more apt and more okay with getting plugged in at church. But then once they're plugged in, you're going to have some interesting problems with how they see themselves serving in church, right? I think millennials might be more, at least if I'm going from my experience, yeah, I want to get plugged into church. I want to do that. But as long as that means that I'm up front, right? <laughs> or as long as that means that I'm serving in capacities that 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 make me that look I, that good, I like. that yeah. I like, that that feed me, right? So we have no problem like going for the experiences as long as those experiences are something that 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 taste good to us right um yeah. which is a very horrible hor i mean that's that that's just an awful awful reason to serve um and i guess that that kind of leads into like when you when you think about misconceptions of service and bad reasons to serve what are some of those that that you've experienced as a pastor there i've encountered on multiple occasions the mentality that the reason i serve 
is because it makes me feel good. It's just, it's that consumerism by a different form. It's a horrible reason to serve uh, right. because what it says is if ever I stop feeling good, mm. if ever this stops giving me, you know, the warm fuzzies, yeah, then I can just quit. Yeah. And it's just reorienting our minds too, as, as what, what does service look like, right? Who are we looking yeah. to uh, for the example of what service looks like. Are we looking to ourselves? Because if so, you're going to get that warm, fuzzy feeling mentality. And that's going to be the reason, right? But if you're looking to Christ, you know, getting down and washing yep. his disciples' feet, uh, he didn't give him the warm fuzzies. Uh, those were some nasty feet that he was washing, right? Uh, and him going to the cross didn't give him the warm fuzzies. And I get asked sometimes, you know, how how do I know if it's bringing God glory? How do I know if the service that I'm doing is bringing God glory? And a really good barometer for that is, is it making you look less and Christ more? Is it taking you out of the spotlight and putting Christ in it? Is it taking the focus off of you and putting the focus onto Christ? If the, if it's doing that, then I would say 99% of the time or probably 100% of the time, uh, you are bringing God glory in that. It's when it's switched is when we have the problem. I'll, I'll give you one more. Is it providing opportunities for you to share the gospel with words. I want to mm-hmm. be very clear here. That's right. Share the gospel with words, with people who otherwise do not know Jesus. Bill, when you think about Christians, and I, I, I really like this question because it's, it's different. For, it's different for everybody. Uh-huh. But when you think about the Christians that inspire you to follow Christ, uh, Christians that you've read or listened to, um, who are those Christians for you and what are the traits that they possess that, that cause that spark in you? Yeah. And as somebody who grew up in the Roman Catholic church, this is a, I got some pushback here because. Um, <laughs> sure. I hear you. We're not venerating yeah, them. <laughs> yeah. So that's my pushback. You know, I, I, I just honestly do not have heroes of the faith. The people who really uh, inspire me, you know, what are the what are the characteristics of Christians that tend to inspire me? Um, it, it's folks who make use of the ordinary needs, right? I yeah, yep. I have endeavored, uh, at least in the last five years, to be an ordinary means of grace pastor, right? I, you know, it's we talked earlier about centering ministry on the Word uh, and engaging yep. in prayer. I've learned that there are people in our congregation, basically their service to the church is prayer. Hmm. Um, and it's this hidden thing, right? We always want, you know, the upfront ministries and the out there ministries and all of these things. Right. But if you don't have those people who are praying mm-hmm. uh, and, and literally upholding the ministry of the church by their prayers. Yeah. Forget, just, just board it up now. You, you, you don't, you don't stand a chance. You know, yeah. the, the enemy's just going to have his way with your congregation and you're done for. Right. Yeah. And so what I say is that people who make use of this right every week. Right. I have a couple who committed three years ago uh, to providing the Lord's Supper for our evening service. They've just been faithful to do that week after week after week after week. Never have to be asked. Never have to be reminded. I even approached them few months ago and said, look, you've been doing this for a while. Do you want somebody else to take a turn? Uh, and they said, no, this is the way we, we literally said, we're giving glory to God by doing this. Right. Wow. It's, that's awesome. So I look at folks like that and I say, okay, they get why they're doing what they're doing. 
Right. Um, and that's inspiring to me. So yeah. when I say it's those ordinary Christians, you know, and my, yep. by and large, my interactions with people in my church. So that's, that's my pushback against your questions that you'll add it out. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and it's not even, you know, it's funny. It's not even pushback because that is the point of this podcast. The point of this podcast yeah. is to be encouraging those everyday Christians in the service that they're doing. And yeah. So not a pushback. Family. I completely agree yeah. that you actually, that's actually the point of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to say if you, if you want to, if you're listening to this, right. You, you know, you want to encourage your pastor, like tell your pastor why you're serving in the ways that you're serving. Yeah. Right. Tell your pastor, I'm doing this because I'm giving glory to God and I get, that's why I'm doing it, yep. right? That's yep. that will do your pastor's heart. Uh, it, it'll buoy him through some some dark days, and they're they're bad days as pastors. Right? Oh yeah, yep, they're sure. Well, Bill, we have uh, come to the end of the podcast, but before we are done, it is time for mm -hmm. the Monday hot takes. And what okay. this is is I ask you a bunch of random questions, and you give me the very first thing that pops into your head. You ready for these? I'll try not to uh, say anything self-incriminating. Okay. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Or disqualifying, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. No, nothing too hot here. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's right. Favorite movie? Um, I used to say Braveheart. Um, yeah. I've probably seen it more than anything else, but yeah, I'll, I'll still say that. I like Braveheart yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Great movie. Uh, let's see. Favorite band or slash musical artist? I got connected with this band and they are bizarre. That's all I okay. can say. It, it's a band called Listener. Uh, okay. The lead singer is a strong word for what he does. It's okay. kind of like spoken word with music behind it. Um, okay. All right. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a guy of faith, although I am not always exactly sure where he's coming from, but just what, lyrical. What, what faith? We're not sure. <laughs> no, no, he's Christian. Um, oh, oh, okay. And, and, but, you know, the band isn't a Christian band, so to say. So I, if I'm going to listen to music, I, I, I listen to that. But mostly if I'm listening to music, uh, it's, you know, instrumental stuff that I'm listening to kind of quietly as I'm studying. So, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, worst book you've ever read? Oh, there's so many. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, the God of the Oppressed uh, by uh, James Cone, uh, which is a liberation, black liberation theology uh, book. It is terrible. It should not even be considered uh, Christian literature. Uh, you know, because you've been in my office, I have a corner of books I had to read in seminary that I call the right. library. And yes. it's probably yeah. featured there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think blue like jazz is up there too. <laughs> it is. Yeah, um, let's see. Uh, what's what's something about current Christian culture that is annoying to you? Oh, so many things. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things about current Christian culture uh, that is annoying to me uh, is the idea that uh, if we are critical of another Christian, that somehow we're being unloving in our presbytery. Uh, we have a church in Redding, California, which is where Bethel is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it creates headaches uh, for people in the church, and Bethel is—it's got problems. You know, I won't go into details here. But, that is uh, that is the that is the largest understatement I have ever heard in my life. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are way more gracious so, than I am. <laughs> yeah, it is and, it is a cult again, at this point. <laughs> 
yeah, to be, but you've got Christians that will come out of the woodwork to defend. It's like, well, they say Jesus. It's like, well, except oh, um, so do the Mormons. And we don't, we're not talking about the same guy. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, and Bill, you are, you know, it's so weird. You are, you are correct. Like I, we've been friends a while. You know, you're not on Facebook yeah. a lot, but I'm not, I'm pretty open about my theology on Facebook. I've got nothing to hide. Sure. Right. And, uh, and I can post like the most ardent, like reformed quote about sure. God's sovereignty in the minutest of, and get nothing. Right. But I post one one thing about re- about about Bethel and everyone loses their mind, right? And it is literally people come out of the woodwork oh, to yeah. defend the organization, and it's never brought with any type of scriptural authority. Yeah, that's that's one of the main problems. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, that's that's a soapbox that I that I I could be on for hours. Yeah. Um, favorite theologian, John Calvin. Awesome. Favorite food. You know, I eat just about anything, uh, but honestly, yeah. there's nothing better than a cheeseburger. There just isn't. There you go, man. From <laughs> from so from any from any particular place. No, I <laughs> just, just 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 cheeseburgers. Okay, I am Fair no enough. foodie, man. It's like it, if it's beef with 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 cheese and stuff, I'll probably enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, have you ever walked out of a theater because the movie was so bad? And if so, which movie? Yes. Um, now there's a caveat to this. When I was okay. in college, my first two years in college, I worked as an evening projectionist. Okay, so this is okay. the important thing to remember. I got into movies for free. Okay, okay. So I didn't pay money for it. All right, you didn't pay money for this movie. All right. I need that to be said because this is okay. very important. I walked out of Spice World. <laughs> the Spice World <laughs> movie. Why were you in there to begin with? Like, I realized you got in for free. Were you thinking, ah, this it, looks interesting? Or were you like, it was give like it a that, chance? You know, I think my, I had a, you know, a younger siblings and they wanted to go see it and yeah. I could get them in for free too. Cause they're, you know, my family. And yeah. um, it was like, nope, we're done here. <laughs> yeah. And we, we left about half hour in. So I couldn't yeah, tell you how the movie ended. Frankly, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Spice Girls has no flavor. Uh, let's see. Childhood dream job. Well, you know, I wanted to be a monk when I was a kid. Uh, maybe That's a awesome. Okay. So, honestly, well, you're just a weird was... haircut away, man. Like you've already got the rope. I know it. Like you. I know it. I know it. I. <laughs> I'm gonna be interested for this one. What's What's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, the last time we did karaoke was at my wife's uh, Christmas party, uh, and we sang. Um, oh, what is it? Um, Oh, it's a song from Frozen. It's a duet from Frozen. Um, oh, the uh, oh yeah, my sister and I did that. Um, oh gosh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's but with you, uh, whatever it is. Love is an open door. Love is an open door. There we go. Yeah. So that's the go-to. <laughs> that's song. really bad. I know that, but I do. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, Star Wars, although not the recent Disney stuff. Oh no! Um, really? You're. You're off that wagon, huh? It wasn't so much The Force Awakens, but The Last Jedi. It was like, you get out of there initially, it's like, man, Star Wars. And then I think about it, went saw it again, and I was like, 
Hang on a minute. <laughs> Wait a second here. There, this is a load. This is a load of hot party garbage. going on here. <laughs> Supposedly, this third one that's coming out. It's the original director. It's I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, I I don't know well, how it'll be. Let me we'll, just put it. We'll this see way. if he writes the ship. Yeah, I will be there on opening day. Uh, oh yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, we're still, I mean, we're, we're still going to see it. Like, of course. Yeah. It's like, well, you think I'm not going to pay, <laughs> pay you money to show me a movie I may not like? Come on. Yeah, right. uh, oh, man. Well, hey, Bill, we have come to the end of our time, man. It has been a joy, uh, as always, getting together with you and talking theology sure. and church stuff. Uh, I really appreciate you being on the podcast with me, man. Well, glad to be here. God bless you. I think you're doing good work. Uh, it's just good to see you. Well, hey, everyone, you can uh, head on over to iTunes and leave a raving review and a five-star rating. We really appreciate that. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Music, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast, we are there. Head on over to Facebook.com slash Everyday Monday Podcast for info. And thank you all for joining us in the trenches today. We hope it was encouraging to you. And until next time, we will catch you on the next step of Everyday a Monday.